Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. So uh, it's good to see you this morning. Good morning. Okay, good morning to you. I saw about 10 smiling faces this morning so far, and uh, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, Wow, it's going to be 40 degrees today. In Wisconsin on February 1st, 40 degrees? How often does that happen? Uh, Not too often. So praise the Lord. I left my winter coat at home today. Uh, It's going to be incredible. Now, next week, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but anyway, today's going to be great. It's February 1st. How about that? Do you realize that on Thursday, we'll be 20% done with class days for this semester? No, that can't be right. Yes, it is right. I actually counted them up and did a division uh, problem, and it's yes. On Thursday, we'll tick beyond 20. It's 20 point something on Thursday. I can't be. Yes, it's true. You can count them all up, and you can figure it out. 20. You might say, oh, I might need, maybe I need to do some work soon in my class. <laughs> yeah, you might need to do some work soon. So... February is an exciting month. We have all kinds of holidays. Some we like to think about, maybe some we don't like to think about. Uh, artist series, basketball seasons in it full swing. So yeah, February 1st is here. I want to talk to you today about forgiveness. And we're going to look at um, Joseph just a little bit when we talk about forgiveness. I uh, love to teach my um, men's Sunday school class, and unfortunately or fortunately, we're often in the Old Testament, and uh, we have a lot of great examples in the Old Testament to look at. Joseph is certainly one of them. If you look at Joseph's life, we're going to be in Genesis 41 and Genesis 42 eventually here, so if you want to turn there, now it'd be fine to turn there on your device, and I'm sure you're not too comfortable that you can't tune in for less than 30 minutes here today, right? And ask the Lord what he wants to give us from his word today. Joseph's life is an amazing life. And I guess maybe as a history guy, I like Old Testament characters because there's a lot of history there with them. Um, Joseph's life breaks down into many divisions, but really I like to think of them, his life in two divisions, two parts. The years of testing... And the years of blessing. Years of testing and years of blessing. The years of testing are about 13. In Genesis, it actually gives us uh, his age at a couple different times. And so from the age of 17 to the age of 30 are Joseph's years of testing. They're not easy years. 13 years of slavery and prison are those 13 years of of testing. And then, many, many years of blessing follow. Maybe 80 years of blessing follow. But in those years of testing, Joseph endures a deep, dark trial in his life. You can think of it maybe this way. In a pit, literally, in a pit, Joseph enters the deepest, darkest part of his life. And he would learn from three trying events 
in a pit, condemned by a false charge, and forgotten in prison. He learns how to forgive in his life. So, um, oh, I think it advanced. That's good. You know, studying the Old Testament can be a real help to us. Some people say, why are we looking at Joseph? My goodness, he lived like 3,000 years ago. What help can he be? Well, I, I do know that Romans 15, 4 tells us that these things were written aforetime for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The instruction that a life like Joseph's can give us produces three things. Look at that verse. It tells us three things. It produces comfort, hope, and endurance. I'll say it that way. Comfort, hope, and endurance. And so as we look at this today, I hope that you can relate it to your life. Your lives. At the end, we'll have some takeaways. And I think there's a lot of application we can make here um, by looking at Joseph. Do you have wounds? I think we probably all have some wounds in our lives. Joseph had wounds. Certainly he had wounds. I'm not sure our wounds compare to Joseph's wounds. Mine don't, I can tell you that. There's no way they do. But I hope today we can ask God to help us move on. There are two basic principles I want to look at today that can help us live life with a forgiving spirit. Two basic principles we can look at. Hey, the screen's on. Praise the Lord. So, um, look at Genesis 41 just for a second. I'm sure you're there by now. Genesis 41. The narrative of Joseph, well, we could take like a month of chapels to look at the narrative of Joseph, seriously. So, we're only going to hit some high points. I don't think you probably had some of these things taught to you with flannel graphs or pictures when you were in fourth grade either. But in in chapter 41, which is way in the middle of the narrative, we can see Joseph crawling out of that pit that I talked about. And finally, he leaves the prison and enters Pharaoh's court. And I want you to notice, in almost a minute of time in his life, Joseph has been given in incredible power. Let's look at a few verses here. I'm going to start with verse 39, and we'll just read a few verses. And I want us to think about Joseph's power and authority in in this passage. Verse 39, 41, 39, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and, and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestitures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. 
and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. You see his authority there? We can make a list of how he had authority if we picked some things out of those verses. And if we were in a smaller group, we'd do that. But do you see in verse 40, he's ruling the palace. All of a sudden, Joseph is in charge of the most powerful man in the world's palace. What power is that? But not not just the palace. In verses 41 and 43, we see that he's ruling all the country. I'm not sure what Pharaoh even did, right? I think he just sat in a chair and ate hors d'oeuvres or something. I'm I'm sure what Pharaoh did with all his time. Notice in verse 42 that he has a special ring that he's given, and that's the authority of the Pharaoh, and that means Joseph can have ultimate power in the country because he has that signet ring. He used it to stamp orders. That's what kings usually did with something like that. Notice the public honor he's given. He ride, okay, I guess they had parades. They would ride in chariots. And in the second chariot, we have Joseph right behind the Pharaoh. And notice what they yelled or cried as the chariot went by. For Joseph, not just Pharaoh. Bow the knee. And people would all bow down who were along the street as they passed. Verse 44 shows us he had power over, the last part of the verse really is indicating that he had power over any project, any initiative that was done in in the nation, any building project. Of course, we know Egyptians were known for great building projects and plans, and Joseph had power over all those things. And if we read further down in the passage to the end of the chapter, you would see in verse 57 that Joseph also is the chief diplomat and in charge of foreign relations because foreign countries were coming to Egypt uh, to ask for food, and Joseph was the guy dealing with all those leaders. So, Joseph has, in a second of time, huge authority and power given to him. Yet, in this setting that we're going to look at, Joseph maintains humility and a forgiving heart. Humility and a forgiving heart. It's really an amazing situation. A man who bore scars, scars of mistreatment, scars of unfairness, unjust actions, is now riding through the streets of the most powerful country in the world, with lots of power, yet he seems to remain humble and absolutely has learned how to forgive. So let's look at two principles today, if we can. The first principle I want you to remember about forgiveness is a person with a forgiving spirit remembers God's blessings instead of personal wounds. I started today trying to list really not trivial blessings that we might have on February 1st with what God has given us, but really a person with a forgiving spirit remembers God's blessings rather than personal wounds. I think we can see that very interesting in in a way in 
Joseph's life. If we look at chapter 41 again, and the two verses near the end, I'm just going to have us look at, maybe these are odd verses to look at, 51 and 52 of chapter 41. So please look at those verses. Time to wake up, look back at your phone, and look at verses 51 and 52, right? Okay, so, hmm, why is Dr. Lick reading these odd verses? And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God, for God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Verse 52. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Names are really important in the Old Testament, and even to us today. Maybe you know what your name means. You can look it up online, not now, and see what your name means. It maybe means something to you. Really, what my name doesn't means doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but certainly in Old Testament times, names are very important. And Joseph thinks carefully about what he names his two boys. These two boys are born after the scene we, we just talked about in some period of years, and the firstborn's name is Manasseh. It's from the verb to forget, or forgetting, or to have a memory slowly evaporate away. You might think of it this way, God is helping, Joseph is saying, God is helping me forget the wounds in my soul by this blessing, by the son that he has given me. And every time Joseph said Manasseh, it wasn't just Manasseh, It was really a testimony. God helps me forget. And I can look at my son and remember who God is and how he blesses. The second son's name is Ephraim. It's from the Hebrew, obviously. It kind of means like twice or doubly fruitful or really blessed, we might say today. God has blessed me above any accounting or measure, God has really blessed me. So when he said Ephraim, he was saying, wow, the Lord has made me very fruitful and blessed me in a big way. So every day, I'm sure, at least most days, Joseph would see his two boys. And as he saw them and thought of their names, they actually reminded him about what God can do with past wounds and replace them with current blessings. A person with a forgiving spirit remembers God's blessings instead of personal wounds. Do you have wounds that need God to help you with? Hasn't God blessed us in so many ways? So many ways. So Joseph decides, with God's grace, obviously, his faithful love and grace at his side, to dwell on God's wonderful blessings rather than nurse a wound. And Joseph had every reason, possibly, in a human, from a human standpoint, to have a grudge. Hopefully no one in here has a grudge. I looked in Fox News, I found the story about a grudge, 
you probably have heard stories about feuds and grudges that last forever and ever. Well, um, foxnews.com had this story about a 30-year grudge. 30, I hope no, not many people are 30 years old, so too many people in here can't have a 30-year grudge. Well, it's kind of a weird story, but I'll share it with you just very briefly. It comes out of Saratoga Springs, New York, which I was just there not too long ago for a teacher's convention, but it says, man allegedly patient about revenge. It's the subtitle. Hmm, patient about revenge. Please say a 30-year-old grudge boiled over when a former elementary school teacher littered the driveways of former co-workers and bosses with roofing nails. Actually, I've thought of that. It tells you what a sinner I am, but actually I thought a couple of times in my life, well, that would really cause some, some grief if you poured... Now, don't get any ideas here, because this is bad behavior. Okay? The guy's been arrested. Now, listen, to, listen a little bit more about this. Thomas R. Haberbush, 72 pleaded guilty last Tuesday to one count each of stalking, criminal mischief, and criminal tampering, all misdemeanors, it says. Police say that three former school board board members and a retired principal and a retired assistant principal from Caroline Street Elementary School were among the nine victims Haber Bush targeted in the past weeks. He had nine people that he thought about for 30 years because he had a bad evaluation as an elementary school uh, teacher, and he harbored these thoughts for 30 years, and as a 72-year-old man, he finally acted and poured roofing nails on their driveways. I mean, this happened in the 1980s, and he thought about it week or year after year, and finally acted. Now, Joseph had a lot more difficulty in his life than Thomas Haberbush, but he reacted in a different way. The Lord enabled Joseph to live a life with a forgiving spirit. We need to talk about the second principle here just for a few minutes. And I think this is very evident in the narrative as well. A forgiving spirit does not retaliate. Do you like to get even? Do you like to get even? I think I have a problem with at least thinking about ways to get even with people sometimes. I don't know if it comes from my childhood. I know it comes from my sin nature, for sure. Uh, I wish I had time to tell you in detail about eighth grade bike wars which was one of the getting even events in my life. Uh, I'll make it short and just tell you that the the boys in my neighborhood like to get even. And there was some fallout. I'm going to call him Dan. His real name is Paul, but I don't want to tell you his real name because (laughs) who knows, he might be listening or something. But So Dan um, and I had a disagreement about something. I, I was trying to think about what it was, and I sure can't remember what it was. But at, at some point in time, um, we started a process of getting even with each other. And I must raise my hand and say, I believe I was the first in this series of retaliations. And I had the great eighth grade idea of loosening the bolts on the brakes on his bike. 
so that there would be some disaster. And that would teach him to make me upset about something. Again, I I don't know what it was. Probably something very trivial. You know, wouldn't invite me to play sandlight football with him or something. I don't know what the event was. So, well, I wasn't very good at loosening bolts, apparently, because he didn't wreck or anything. But sure enough, I know after the fact that he came visiting my bicycle, and he was much better about loosening bolts. I lived in a, you know, a suburban area, and there was a hill just to the east of where my house was, and, and there was a, I had a driveway with a hill, and so I would just like take off down that driveway and turn left and go down this big hill and try to go as fast as I could wherever I was headed, and so that day I did the same thing. And it worked for about maybe 100 yards, but as I was going very quickly down that hill towards the bottom, I decided I should touch my brakes. And as I touched my brakes, the calipers fell off and jammed into the front tire of my bicycle, and I got launched. I still to this day have a scar, you can't see it, sort of, Whiskers don't grow well there. Where I landed, I landed on my chin on the asphalt as I flew forward. Now, it could have been way worse than that, because I could have landed on the side of my head or anything. We didn't wear bike helmets in the 1970s, are you kidding me? No way. Well, I have to end the story there, but there were more series of retaliations. Eventually, the parents got together and ended the whole thing, and so... And I turned out half okay, but if I think crazy things sometimes, maybe it's because of me flying off my bike. Now, revenge can be a dangerous thing. And if we look at Genesis 42, we see Joseph actually meeting his brothers. Now, the reason why I went through all that detail about Joseph's power is to show you what Joseph could have done to his brothers when they showed up in Egypt. He had the power to end their lives in a second. So if you look at chapter 42, um, we'll just look at a few selected passages here. Verse 6, look in verse 6, 42, 6 through 8. I'll read those three verses for us, make some comments. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he, is, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly to them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brothers, but they knew him not. Well, And so this interaction starts in chapter 42. He meets his brothers. I, you know, you can imagine the scene. They looked like foreigners, you know. They, they were, okay, don't be offended, they were country boys from Canaan, for sure. The Egyptians didn't have long beards. You know, they kind of even shaved their heads. So speaking a foreign language, dressed kind of strangely, here this crew comes into the palace and Joseph's, he recognizes them right away, but they don't, they don't know who they're talking to, do they? You might say, well, why didn't they know who they were talking to? Well, okay, 
the dress style, 20 years, using an interpreter because they're not speaking the same language. Um, ask Dr. Goodwill if you need any more explanation than that. But um, they didn't know each other. And at this point in time, when they don't know each other, and, and, and uh, Joseph can do anything to this group at this point if he wants to. A perfect opportunity to retaliate. In the passage, as if we looked at it in more detail, uh, verses 9 through 20, you would see that he tests the brothers. He calls them spies. He wants to see their reaction. He talks about uh, Benjamin. They talk about Benjamin a little bit. He decides he needs to test them by asking if they can keep somebody back. I want to point you to verses 21 through 24. I'll read those. And they said uh, one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. Reuben then pipes up and says, Wait a minute, I told you you shouldn't do this. That's my... um, Translation of verse 22. Verse 23, And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept. Interesting passage here. I believe Joseph sees his brothers owning their sin in verse 21. We have sinned and we are being judged, is basically what they're saying. We are guilty personally and collectively, and they take responsibility. It seems as though they do. And Joseph weeps. Why is Joseph weeping? In verse 42, excuse me, 24, why is he weeping? I think we see his heart. I think we see his love and forgiveness, and he sees that his brothers maybe have changed. And instead of being vengeful, Joseph shows love and grace. If we had time, we'd look at some more of 42. But in that passage, Joseph doesn't reward them with vengeance. He, in verse 25, rewards them with their money back and with all the grain they can carry. He gives them a reward. talk about how we can apply this. I have a couple takeaways I want to talk to you about, just about a minute each, and want us to think about our own lives. First of all, do you have the right attitude? You know, often we, we are not thinking about God's blessings, and we're dwelling on grudges, or we want to retaliate because we don't have the right attitude. What do we deserve? What do we deserve? Joseph didn't seem to have a list of wrongs to get right. Remember, every day, I think, he named his two boys, so he would be reminded about what to think about. God's grace, God's blessing, Manasseh, Ephraim. 
He's reminded about God's forgiveness and how God made things right in his life and all the blessings that he got for the vast majority of his life. Remember Colossians 3.13. New Testament tells us what to think about, what the right attitude is about forgiveness. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Do we have the right attitude? Now, Joseph, I don't think, had a hit list, a list of getting even. You know, we could stop and think about who, he, who would he put on that list? Well, certain brothers, right? How about a cupbearer? We didn't talk about that, but you know, there's a guy who totally said he was going to think about Joseph and forgot him for two years. Two years. How about Potiphar's wife? Maybe even Potiphar. I mean, the list might be fairly long. Joseph had power to get even with all those people. He did not. He didn't have a hit list, apparently. Are you keeping a list? I mean, you know, I don't think we're going to pour nails on anyone's driveway. I think sometimes we subtly think of ways to get even with people. Very subtly. Very non-in-your-face ways to get even with people. Uh, For example, one example. Maybe you can think of other ways. Maybe you're... uh, going back to your dorm and you notice somebody's dome light is on in their car. Do you tell them? Or do you kind of smile to yourself and say, you know, that person's kind of a jerk. They deserve that. You think of other illustrations. I think we're sophisticated believers, but sometimes we subtly get even with people. That's keeping a list. That's not reacting in the right way. There might be somebody we need to talk to today. There might be a phone call. There might be a text. Hopefully it's a phone call. There might be someone in this room that we need to talk to that we didn't have the right attitude about that God has challenged us about today. Lord, we thank you for being able to look at your word. There's a lot to learn from these Old Testament characters, but we pray that from Joseph's example, we might learn to be people who forgive, who don't keep lists, who make wrongs right, who don't retaliate. We pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us and direct us And give us a great day. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.